if Julie hasn't already grabbed kids, did she grab kids? They're gone. Wow. We have well-behaved kids. They leave church and you don't even know they leave. So, well, hey, we are in part two of a series called Times and Seasons, and this is going to lead us right into our Christmas season. And last week we started by looking at Ecclesiastes chapter three, which is this beautiful, very famous scripture where Solomon leads us through this thought process that there's a time for everything. There's a time for everything under the sun. There are seasons. And we looked at that concept is that we all go through different life seasons. And one of the things that we talked about is taking our turn in the season that we are in. In fact, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 we read in, ver- in chapter 3, we read that to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. We talked about how there is a season for everything, a time and a season for everything. We talked about living in your own season, recognizing that God has us in a particular season for a, pati- uh, a particular purpose and that we're called to live in that season. We also looked at and we saw that you can't look ahead and live in a future season. No matter how much you would like this season to pass so that you could move on to the next, we can't force that. We also looked at the concept that we can't look back at a more favorable season and live there. So if you're living and you're operating in a season that's a bit more challenging than what you would prefer, we can't look back on a season where things were better and try to go back there. You can't go, in fact, the Ducks played in two national championships in the last 15 years, and I can't look back today because they laid an egg yesterday. So, anyway, that's as much as I'm going to talk about it today. There was a time I'd be just a mess, but, you know, I've recovered, I've matured, I've grown up. For those of you who are going to pray without ceasing for the Buckeyes, because they have to go to the big house this week. And your dreams could be dashed as well. I'll pray for you. That if their dreams are dashed, and Kyle is very happy next Sunday, that you will get over it as quickly as I've gotten over the debacle in Utah. So, anyhow. We also discovered that you have to live in the season that God has planted you in right now. That God has you exactly where he wants you. And you may be like, well, this season just stinks, and I wish he would move me into something else. And I, and I know that it's difficult, and I know that it's hard, but God has you right where he wants you. And what we discovered last week is that there are things that God wants to teach us, that he wants to help us through in the particular season you're in. Additionally, we discovered that sometimes the season you're in, that you would choose to not be in, There's something that God wants you to learn in that season that unless you get this, unless you learn it in the season you're in right now, you will not be prepared for the next season. I love how the message, Eugene Peterson, in his his translation of the scripture, I love how he uh, writes Ecclesiastes 3. He says that there's an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on earth. And what we discovered last week is that we discovered that every season is different and every season is a season we need 
to discern the strength that God wants us to, to find and capture in any particular season. So you may be in a season that is difficult, but God is telling you, he's asking you, don't, don't mourn the season you're in, seize the season you're in, because there may be something that God wants you to learn, a, a level of maturity, a growth, that if you, will, if you will capture in this season, that when God turns the page to the next season, you will be more prepared for it. There could be something that you need right now in this moment that if you don't capture will dictate how the next season goes. There may be something so critical and you will miss it because you're looking ahead or you're looking back. Today I want to pick up and uh, with that thought and I want, to, I want to continue to kind of look at um, this concept of times and seasons and I want to do that by looking at a scripture in the book of Galatians. In fact, if you have your Bible with you, turn it to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Now, if you have an NIV or a New King James or a New Living Translation, what I'm going to share with you today is a little bit different because I am going to read from the message. But you should still be able to follow along. And I just love the way that Eugene Peterson just kind of opens up and, and elaborates on Scripture. And so in Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 through 5, we read this. It says, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the, and the work you have been given and then sink yourself into that. I, I love this concept that we could be in this season, a particular season, when God says, explore exactly who you are and where you are. Where you've been placed by me and then sink yourself into that. Don't shrug it off. Don't look for something else but sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the, doing the creative best you can with your own life. What, what, we, what we read and what, what the intention of this scripture is to tell you that, hey, if God has you right where you're at and he's got exactly, if his plan is going to work out, he's got you right where you are, so rather than fight it or resist it, do your creative best. Do your creative best to fulfill what he's laid in front of you. So instead of seeking after something that's not yours, take what you've got. Instead of seeking after other things, seek after God and ask him to show you what he wants you to learn and see during the season. And sink yourself into that. Essentially, what we read is a challenge to avoid what so many of us are very prone to do, which is the comparison game. Are there anyone in here that would be bold enough to raise their hand and say, I have a little bit of trouble comparing myself with others? Sister, a brother, the neighbors. I mean, the neighbors didn't have leaves this week, and I did. And my wife pointed that out. And, and, and thankfully, my, my daughter, who the one that's not here this morning, Dawson, was wise enough, because she looks just like me, to, to look out the window and go, well, well Mom, that's because none of them have that big maple tree in the front yard like we do. And it's true. If you drive down my street, I got this huge maple tree in my yard. And it puts leaves everywhere. And everybody else doesn't have one. In fact, my neighbor, the, my, 
My neighbor, when I first met him, he said, you know, you're going to loathe that tree. You're going to hate that tree. He says, in fact, I, I kind of hate that tree. You're going to have to do something with that, that tree. And so to make a good impression, this week when I blew leaves to the street, I blew the leaves, my leaves that fell in the neighbor's yard, back into my yard before I put them on the street. Don't play the comparison game. Don't compare yourself to others. Because here's what will happen. If you compare yourselves with others, the first thing you will kill by comparing yourself to others, you will kill your commitment. If you are committed to something and you, believe, and, and, and you start comparing yourselves to others who may have better or greater success at something, you will, you will immediately begin to kill your commitment. You'll waver. The second thing that you will kill is you will kill your conviction. If you constantly see someone who's better at something than you, it has this, it has this way of, of diminishing the amount of effort and energy you want to put into it. And I think eventually you'll just give up altogether. Another thing that comparison will do is it will kill your, it will kill your contentment. If you feel as if, okay, I know God has placed me where he's placed me and I'm serving and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but if you start to look at others and compare themselves, compare them compare yourselves to their faith journey, compare, compare yourselves to their success, that peace that you had, that God has placed you right where you're supposed to be, will dissipate. It'll disappear. And then I love how he says, do your creative best in the place you're in right now. I mentioned that I officiate basketball and um, and. I've, I've done high school basketball for 33 years. Um, and a lot of times when I tell people I've refereed basketball, high school basketball for 33 years, they're amazed. Well, I started when I was a senior in high school, 1987. But, and I've worked state championships, state tournaments, Cleveland's own, well, he, he's not yours, but he came from Oregon. Kevin Love, who, played at, who plays for the Cleveland Caps. I refereed him in high school. He was just as tall but a lot fatter in high school. No, don't let him, don't, don't let him know. I told him that you guys, that, but he was chubby and he was kind of lazy in high school, but I officiated him in high school. And, and, and so I've, I've officiated at the highest levels of high school uh, basketball in the state of Oregon. And I'm starting to referee here in Ohio. And um, occasionally I would get an assignment at a very small school, especially where we lived in Oregon. We moved to a, a very small rural area and I would go out and referee, you know, um, a group of kids that weren't Kevin Love. In fact, <laughs> they couldn't even carry Kevin Love's shoe bag. And many people, if you play the comparison, right, you'd walk in, oh, this is so far below me, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to coast. But every time I would get one of those assignments, I would try to find something I could do in that, in that, in that moment that either would better myself or be a blessing to others. Um, you know, I love to get into a situation where maybe a kid is struggling and the coach is on him, and if I can find a way to encourage that kid in some way, I do it right on the court. I've done it on the football field too. I had a kid on the field one night at Winston High School in, in, in Roseburg, broke his leg right on the field, and everybody's doing their thing, but I... I walked over to the kid and I, let, I, I leaned down and said, hey, can I pray for you? And this kid let me pray for him right on the field. But you want to see a bunch of paramedics freak out. 
some guy, some football official laying hands on a guy on the, on the field. But no matter where you're at, do your creative best to find a way to be a blessing or to gain something or learn something. I ran harder in those little assignments that I ever did in a big assignment. Because if I was going to get anything out of it, I was going to at least get a decent workout. Always be pushing yourself forward to do your creative best. Never, never be okay with the status quo or just good enough. If you ever find yourself in a situation where you think you've arrived, you need to check yourself because you ain't there yet. None of us are there yet. Until I breathe my last breath here and my first there, that's when I'm there. That's when I will have arrived because Jesus will say, hey, good job, man. Come on in. In fact, when I preach every Sunday morning, um, that's why sometimes I get more frustrated at, at, at sports than I should, Victor, because here, here Oregon had, I said I wasn't going to talk about this anymore, but I am. Oregon had its biggest game of the year, and they just weren't prepared. They weren't ready. And see, here's the thing. Um, when I come up here on a Sunday morning, Every Sunday morning for me, is, it, it's Sunday, just like those 16 NFL games. I mean, you better be on your game every single time. That's why sometimes I, I worry about the time that I'm up here because I'm like, I don't want to go too past 1215, and, 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 and Victor tells me, you're okay, go, go. But because this might be the only opportunity that some people hear God's Word all week long. And, and I never, ever want to shortchange a moment to share God's Word. And, 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 and in preaching, I'm, I'm just a student of preaching. I listen to pastors all the time, and, and, and I listen to, to testimonies, and, and just because I want to be a better communicator. I, I don't ever want to think, well, I, I'm, I'm good. I can just coast from here. And that's the challenge in this, in this concept of times and seasons is, is that God, not, not only does He place you in a particular place, and he has things for you in that season, but he doesn't want you to just sit stagnant in that season. He wants you to grow and develop in that season. And then in Galatians 7, 6, 7, and 8, we read this. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. Which I think is a, just an incredible statement because you, you may think in your success or in your progress in life that you've got it. And you've arrived, or that you, you, you kind of control your own destiny. And, and God's Word tells us time and time again, no, God is in control. You may, you may have desires, and you may have a path that you would like, but God sets your course. And so don't be misled, because no one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. And the person who plants selfishness, Ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, they'll harvest a crop of weeds. All will have to show for this life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Because no one makes a fool of God. Here's the thing, regardless, this is proven. You've probably proved it out in your own life if you've ever planted anything 
Whatever a person plants, they will harvest. No matter if you plant bad seeds in your life, in your marriage, in the way you parent, it will produce a harvest of bad produce, bad production. But if you pray and you pray correctly and you pray in a spirit of, Lord, your will be done, not my own will, then you will reap God's will in your life. If you pray and you ask God, show me what is good and right and allow me to, to follow that path, you will see good things in your life. If you recognize that God's love is deep and He's trustworthy and faithful and you follow Him in that spirit, then God will, He will work and He'll move in your life regardless of whether it's a difficult season or a season where you just seem to be at the top of the mountain. See, the harvest equals and to care for what God has placed you in right where you are. Productive? No. Compost. Compost. Here's the thing with weeds. Weeds, you get growth, but you get growth that starves things out. You get growth that takes over and kills any harvest. And Paul, he says in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, he says, So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. So, you may be in a season, a challenging one, a difficult one. You may be in a season that's a good one. And God may be asking you to step out in faith and do something. God may be moving you in one direction, but you, but you may be approaching it in the manner of, well, I just don't think the time's right. I don't know if the time is right. Well, I'm here to tell you that when God moves, the time is always right. And it's always the right time to do the right thing, regardless. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 2, we read, Solomon says, there is a time to plant and another time to reap. There's always a cycle in this, in this, in this concept of times and seasons. And then Paul uses this same kind of agricultural uh, analogy by saying that whatever you plant, you will reap. You will harvest, whether it's good or bad. See, Paul is saying that life is all about planting and reaping. Another way to say this would be uh, there is seed time and there's harvest time. But here's the catch. The catch for us is this. We can plant and we can... Have you ever planted something and sit and just sat and kind of watched it? And watched it and watched it? See, there's a challenge between planting and harvesting because planting requires, that, that in-between requires us waiting. We all want to get to the harvest. I mean, when you plant in the spring your garden, you want fresh tomatoes the next week. But it just, it doesn't happen that way. See, the problem is we want the harvest to come at the same time that we planted the seed. And in that, we resent the time in-between. Or we say, we just don't have time. I don't have enough time. Or we can't wait 
for time. See, we have, um, we have the gift, we have this curse of uh, what I, would, I like to call righteous impatience. Sometimes we're righteously impatient. Paul says you can't grow weary in well-doing because you'll miss the moment. Essentially, if you're righteously impatient, you're going to miss exactly what God wants you to be patient for. In fact, there's this kind of thought that the days are, the days are, uh, are long, but the years are short. And I, I think it's just the opposite. I think days fly by, but years seem, especially ones that have passed, they just seem to be a life. Have you ever said this? That just seems like a lifetime ago. Things just seem like a lifetime ago. Moses, he prayed in Psalm 90. He said, so teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Time is not such a bad thing because there's great opportunity to learn and grow in those seasons where we just seem to be waiting. Moses is saying that it is important to recognize that we should not be consumed by how long it takes or how quick we want to move through different things. And he's also saying, don't be consumed because this is what we do. Sometimes we do this in re- reference to the scripture in particular. Sometimes we get com- consumed with the number of days we have left. You know, I'm getting old. I only got a little bit left. When we should be praying that God will teach us to correctly number our days, which means instead of counting how many we have left, help us to consider the opportunities that we have in store for us. Make the most Not of the time left, but of the time that He gives us today. Teach me to know what matters most. Help me to keep what matters most first and foremost. And this is a kingdom issue. This is a a real kingdom issue. Because Christ is coming back. But in the meantime, He wants us to be working. Planting seeds so that when he returns, there will be a great harvest. It's appropriate to think of this idea and to keep always in our mind that, that God has a plan and, and a perfect time and a season for things. How appropriate is this idea in regards to the times and seasons we're in? I mean, just think. We, we've been in this COVID season. And it, and, and it just seems like there's, there's people in our world that want to keep this season right here for us. When I think God is in the business of redeeming this season. And and not to make light of it, but this season, this COVID season where we have lost people and loved ones, it's, it's probably reminded a lot of us to make the most of our time and to make the most of every moment. And yet there's still people that tell us you really shouldn't gather for Thanksgiving. Don't listen to them. God is in control. Then there's this reminder for us that as we start the Christmas season to keep Christ in, in Christmas. I love Linus. I love Charlie Brown Christmas. I love that the whole point of Christmas is that Jesus came and that we're to keep Christ in Christmas. We need to remember to to make the most of every moment, but not to, 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 to count them so desperately 
that we miss the moment we're in. Don't take moments for granted either. If you take something for granted, you're going to miss the moment. Don't ignore moments either. There are times when God has you right where He wants you and He puts someone in front of you that has a message that He so desperately wants you to hear. And if you ignore that moment, you're going to miss something so critical. Did I ever tell you about when I got fired from teaching Sunday school? I did. I, got, I, 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 thought I, you know, I thought at one point I was doing youth ministry, and I thought, no, God's just going to put me in a church somewhere to be a pastor. I'll bypass youth ministry altogether. So I went to my pastor mentor, and I, I, I said, Pastor Vicky, I think I, I need to broaden my teaching expertise, so can I teach an adult class? And she put me in this class. I team taught, actually, the Sunday school class that Kristen and I attended, and I team taught, and, and after one Sunday, I got a call from the Sunday school superintendent, and they're like, hey, that didn't go well, you, you, you know, and, 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 and so we really don't need you to teach there anymore. I got fired from teaching, so, I mean, literally, and, and then my, Pastor Vicki sat me down, and she gave me this, this DVD series called Seven, Law, Seven Laws of the Learner, and she said, until you go through this completely and can tell me, you know, what you learned from it, you're not teaching Sunday school again. Well, I could have hated that moment. I could have despised that season. I could have ignored that moment, but I didn't. I chose to recognize after I got over my hurt feelings and then over my anger that God probably had a word or a message for me, something that I needed to learn. But sometimes what happens is we, we end up looking back at moments and seasons and we regret missing the moment or how we even lived in that season. I I gained so much during that season. I even had another opportunity. I was pastoring in South Dakota. I'd just become the senior pastor. I'd moved from youth pastor to senior pastor. And I had been approved for ordination in the Church of the Nazarene. Kristen and I had been interviewed. They approved me. And, uh, and then a couple weeks later, I got a letter in the mail um, that said, yes, pastor, we've approved you to be ordained, but we want to postpone your ordination for one year we want to observe your transition from youth pastor to senior pastor. And I was crushed. I was defeated. I was mad because I got a registered letter. Not even a phone call. And, and, and I, was, I was just upset. I was angry. But then I prayed about it. And I prayed about it. And I called a friend. And they helped me. And they prayed with me through that. And I can tell you that even as disappointed as I was, that next year... That growth that I experienced in the next year, by the, by, by the end of it, even though I still didn't necessarily like it, I could see what God did in that season. But I could have missed it. I could have let my anger and my frustration, and I could have missed what God wanted to, to show me and teach me to better prepare me for the next season. The challenge is most of life is lived in the sowing mode. And the harvest moments seem to take forever, and they seem to be so few and far between. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, he has some other things that he says. He says, he said that long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence separate the planting from the reaping. In other words, the days are long, but the years are short. And I know it sounds weird, but think of it this, this way. And like I said, the days just seem to fly by but where did the years go? There are always moments that you'll have that seem mundane, that, 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 that seem like 
the seeds that you've planted, the seeds that you've, that you've sown are not bringing up any fruit. They seem fruitless. Or, or the, you see that growth is so gradual, often invisible. But I need to remind you today that God has something for you in every one of those moments. Little, little things that he wants to reveal and show you. See, in life, I think we do want to make the most of every moment. In fact, I think we want to make the most of every moment so much that we cram too many moments into our lives or too many things into our lives. And we need to resist the urge to cram everything into our lives or to create moments. In fact, you can't seem to have a moment if you've crammed too many things in. You gotta, if you can't seem to to, to get anything accomplished in spite of everything you've got going on, maybe it's time for you to do a little inventory and take some things out. I, wanna, I heard someone say that the spirit of urgency is the enemy of the divine opportunity. The spirit of urgency is the enemy of divine opportunity. And if we let it, the urgency of our present situation will divert our focus from the moments God doesn't want us to miss. So in the Bible, they, when time is described, there are two different Greek words that describe time. Those two words are chronos and kairos. Did you know that? Chronos and kairos. And I want to I share with you a little bit about those two Greek words that describe time. So the first word, chronos, makes sense, right? It's like your watch, right? It's, 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 a, it's a chronograph. It, it, it literally, chronos means to measure, measure chronological or sequential time. It's, it's just real time. It's measurable. It's routine. Chronos is measured in, in, in hours. And did you know that there's 1,400 and, there's 1440 minutes in a day? Did you know that? That's Chronos. My favorite, one of my favorite shows, The Office. Any Office fans in the room? Any Office fans? When Michael Scott moves from Scranton to Colorado, The Office sings to him, and they sing to him 9,986,000 seconds. That's our minutes. That's how long he's worked there. That's how we measure chronos. Every one of us has the same number of minutes in every day. You don't get more than me, and I don't get more than you. We can make more or less of those minutes, but chronos is the actual time, how we measure time. But the second word, kairos, is the Greek word meaning the right or opportune moment. And in the Christian context, many people refer to kairos as God moments, having those God moments. Here's an example from this from Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's a kairos moment. When God shows up at exactly the right time for exactly the right reason. Many of us here, we've had those kairos moments. Unfortunately, we miss the kairos moments because we're operating in chronos. We're, we're operating in, I, I think I should be further along than I am, or I, this is taking too long. The kairos moments are describing those moments 
that define normal explanation that you can only attribute to God. One of those, um, those moments that, that, that God moves in your life and there's only one answer for how that came to pass, and it was God. Kairos appears when, God's, when God breaks through our sense of time to perform something greater than we can ask or imagine. So let's take a look at these words just a little bit closer. So chronos is measurable time. We all have it. And each day we all have exactly the same amount. I mean, school is going to last a certain number of hours. Your work day is a certain number of hours. You're, you're, you're going to measure, at the end of your career, you're going to measure your years of service, just like everyone else. Um, teenagers, is it 15 to get your permit in Ohio? 15 and a half? Yes, six more months before Quinlan can drive. Is it 16 to get your driver's license? Okay. It's 21 to drink, right? See, those are chronos. We measure them. Everybody is measured the exact same way. Bottom line, chronos is measured. Count up, count down. But kairos is special time. It's when God shows up in a remarkable way just at the right time. It's, it's when he shows up in a divine, supreme way. The crazy thing about both of these words for time is that God controls them both. God controls them both. God controls your chronos and your kairos. Sometimes, uses, sometimes God uses kairos moments to establish a chronos season. My call to ministry was a kairos moment that brought forth a chronos season. See, there was going to be a period of time you know, a, a one-year local license, a district license in ministry, four years of work experience before ordination. So to fulfill my God call, which was a kairos moment, there was a chronological process to get there. Sometimes God gives you a kairos moment. Do you know that the conception of a child is a kairos moment, but there's a chronos process to it? Sometimes God blesses you with something, but there's a waiting period, or there's a period that you have to, you know, we believe God blessed us with our home here, but there was a chronos period of time before we took ownership of it. And God even controls things like, I think, if we will allow him to help us discover what we are mature enough to do and to handle. You see, it's all God's time. So rather than spend our efforts discerning which category our moments fall under, Kairos or Kronos, God wants us to make the most of it. He wants us to recognize the time. I mean, let's face it. Every day, husbands and wives, that we don't allow Christ to be the center of our marriage and that we don't, husbands, lay our lives down sacrificially like Christ did for the church for our spouses prohibits the opportunities for your spouse to to be to submit to her husband see though a lot of times we screw that up wives submit to your husbands yeah but the submission to your husband comes when he lays his life down see they're, they're those are together they're not separate i mean parents 
We only have so many amount, we only have so much time with our kids. God wants us to make the most of them. He also wants us to reconcile time. Come to terms with it. Recognize that we do. It, It is measured in some way. And He wants us to be responsible with our time. Stop wasting time. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. I promise you. And he wants us to redeem time. How do you redeem time? How do you get things back that maybe you messed up before? Well, grace, forgiveness, mercy, honesty, transparency. Do something with the time you have. Do you know how many people put God off? Do you know how many people put God off in their lives? Peterson wrote this, wrote in in a commentary, some additional thoughts and insights. He said this, he says, Acts of faith aren't like pebbles dropped into a pool that make a few temporary temporary ripples then sink to the bottom inert. They are seeds planted in the soil of life and they will come up one day. The harvest is inevitable. Verse 7 says, Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. Let me tell you about how we plant things and, and what seed is in your life. Do you know that every decision you make is a seed? Every decision you make is a seed. Every attitude you have, good or bad, is a seed. Every action that you, that you have in your life, everything you do is a seed. Did you know that prayers are seed? Thoughts are seed. And all of it will come to harvest. The person who looks for quick results from planting seeds will be disappointed. But if, if you plant seeds of good thoughts, plant seeds of prayer, attitude, and you be patient, God will reap a harvest. Let me tell you something you can't do. If you want potatoes for Thanksgiving, you can't plant them today. They ain't going to come up. It will do little good to plant potatoes tonight, hoping to harvest them on Thursday. And then we have to understand that sometimes in the waiting period, in these times and seasons, that we will experience long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence. And those are just those times when God separates the planting from the reaping. Don't be, don't, don't grieve those. Don't be sorrowful. Don't don't mourn. Don't mourn the silent periods because even in those silent periods, God wants you to see Him. God wants you to trust Him. There's always going to be seed time. There's always going to be harvest. But here's the good news. Do you want to know the good news about all this? The harvest is inevitable. The harvest is inevitable. You plant, it's going to come up. But all too often, we get discouraged because the process can be invisible. We need to live in the chronos and we need to trust God for those kairos moments. Let's call this patient perseverance. And the key to recognizing and receiving and experiencing kairos moments is learned in the chronos. Did you know that? That the best growth that you can experience those kairos moments when God shows up, divinely intervenes in your life, and you're like, oh my goodness, God really made a difference here. 
it was in the chronos that God did the work to get you to that kairos. The key to recognizing, receiving, and experiencing the kairos is to learn in the chronos. There have been lots of different seasons of my life when I'm in the chronos, and I want the kairos now. I want it right now. When I got my first district license, um, I'm going to wrap up with this here. When, 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 you, when, you, when you recognize a call to, the ministry, call to ministry in the Church of the Nazarene, you, you, you sense God leading you to this lifetime of vocational ministry. And for me, that was on a Sunday night. I, I heard God clearly, audibly tell me, Scott, I want you to share your experience with me with as many people as you can for the rest of your life. And I want you to do it as a pastor. It was just audible. I just knew it. So I went to my pastor and I told my pastor, I said, I feel this called to ministry. And he said, I see that in you. And so I was issued a local minister's license. And that kind of gets you in the process, right? Well, immediately I had to start going to college, doing Bible, uh, doing college, uh, Bible college online. And so I, Nazarene Bible College online. And um, after you've had your local minister's license in the Church of the Nazarene, at the end of the year, if you have six courses completed, you can apply for your district license. And the district then will interview you and if they sense and they affirm the call in you and you've done six courses, you get your district license. And when you're the district license, you go from being Scott Eastburn to the Reverend Scott Eastburn. I mean, the Reverend Scott Eastburn. I mean, that, right? And so, and when you get your first district license, they present it to you at district assembly. Has, how many of you have ever been to a district assembly? And so you've probably seen some of this, right? And so they bring you up in front and district superintendent speaks this word over you and challenges you you're the district licensed you're a district licensed minister in the church of the nazarene you're the reverend right you know what you can do now you can marry you can bury you can serve communion and you can baptize i mean you're like a pastor at this point so it's in corvallis oregon it's 2002 and i'm getting my very first district license and i'm thinking to myself i'm up there getting my district license with a handful of others and i'm thinking this is what i'm thinking in my head this is when, you know, the flesh gets in the way. I'm thinking in my head, surely one of these senior pastors is looking at me out there and going, I'm going to go talk to him tonight about being my youth pastor. I'm going to get a job tonight. I mean, this is going to happen for me, right? None of those pastors came and talked to me. I was like, what's going on here? I mean, what is it? And so a few, few weeks later, I heard that there was one of our Nazarene churches in the town that we were living in. I was looking for a part-time youth pastor and somehow I got connected and they were like do you want to interview and so I went to Pastor Vicki who was my mentor and I said hey Pastor Vicki they're looking for a part-time youth pastor over at Fairfield Church of the Nazarene I think I'm going to apply I'm, I'm going to interview and she looked at me and she says no you're not I said what do you mean I'm not you can't tell me what to do she goes you're not you're not interviewing in fact I'll get on the phone right now call the pastor and tell him no you're not interviewing Scott and I'm like why she goes because you're a baby you're an infant you're not ready for that you, if you take that, if you, if you go that direction, you're going to get chewed up and spit out. I'm not allowing it. So guess what? God's Kairos, my district license, sent me into a Kronos. Because somebody was wiser than me and said, no, Scott, you need time to grow. God's got you right where you need to be. Don't push a door open. Don't go someplace that you don't need to go and that you're not ready to go. In Acts 1, Paul says, you don't get to know the time 
Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even to the, even to the ends of the world. You don't, need, you, you don't get to know the time. God does. He controls the Kronos and the Kairos. God moments will come when God's ready to give you those moments. So make the, make the most of every moment, but make the most of every God moment. You have the ability and the authority as a child of God to say, I refuse to allow time to tick by without meaning. If you are in the market for God moments, make the most of your current moment. If you want a Kairos moment, be content in your Kronos. Be content where God has you. And be obedient. Exercise obedience in the Kronos because it always prepares the way for the Kairos. So if you're praying, God, will you just show me something? Would you, would you, would you show me what I'm supposed to do next? Would, 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 you, would, you, would you help me? He says, listen, you're, you're probably already in the season of sowing. See, every Kronos moment is a divine Kairos opportunity that's waiting on obedience. Here's one more scripture. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. See then that you work circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Circumspectly is a big word. Do you know what it means? It means to carefully consider all circumstances and possible consequences. Being watchful, well to consider, being considerate of all that is pertinent, and that's a good quality for someone who's wanting to make the most of the Kronos so that God can show up in the Kairos. And here's the thing. When God is in it, every moment is a God moment in the making. Every single moment is a God moment in the making. Which means that no matter where you're at today, no matter what season you're in, mountaintop, valley, somewhere in between, God has it. And God has you exactly where he wants you. I don't have a, a single day that I don't drive through this gorgeous state of Ohio and don't thank God for placing me exactly where he wants me. I'm so grateful for God's providence and provision in my life. And there are seasons of waiting and there are seasons of moving there's seasons of planting and there's seasons of harvesting. I have this weird feeling that God is up to something. And it is in this season that God will prepare us for what's ahead. And, um, you know, sometimes I think we also shortchange God. We plant and we buy a, a bucket or a wheelbarrow when he wants us to line up some dump trucks. I think we need to start, we need to buy some bigger trucks because the harvest is going to be big if we are obedient and content in the Kronos.
You just wait and see what the Kairos is going to look like. You just wait. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning and the opportunity that we have to just travel through this journey of recognizing that, God, you have, uh, uh, you always have a better plan and you'll always have a better season and schedule for us to follow than the one that we would put together for ourselves. And may God, you work in that. May you work in every season we're in. There's lots of, lots of, uh, in a room this size with this many people, there's all kinds of things going on in people's lives. In, in the season that we've experienced as a world, like I said, this this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, going to be different. People are going to going to have empty seats. People are still going to be a little bit leery of gathering together. Um, and so we recognize that everyone's in a different season. We also recognize that someone else's season is not mine. I can't live in theirs and they can't live in mine. But the beauty of who you are is that you are with us in every season, both individually, in marriages and families, our nation, our community, and in this church. And may God, we are trusting you, we are trusting you with this season. And we're asking you, Lord, we are praying for divine God moments. Give us, we want to see Kairos moments in the lives of individuals, families. Next Sunday, when we go out with 175, 200 meals, let every single one of them be a Kairos moment. Be a Kairos moment in somebody's life. May, may they even, and, and they might be a seed that is planted that we never get to see the harvest, but it'll be a Kairos moment in your Kronos, Lord. And we will be so happy. Someday, when we get to heaven, we will know the impact of the ministries that we are engaged and involved in. And in the meantime, we are good with planting and nurturing and growing. May God, you work in every single one of our lives. If somebody in here in this room today is in one of those challenging, difficult seasons, help them to have hope, Lord, that as long as they can be obedient and stay Say content in the place you have them right now and recognize, Lord, that there's something that you have for them that, God, the next season, not only will uh, it be a blessing and better, but they will look back on the current season they're in and recognize that if they hadn't have gone through this one, that one wouldn't have come to pass and they wouldn't have understood it when they got there. As we open up this holiday season, Lord, may you help us to make the most of every moment not just in the time that we spend together or the gifts and things that we buy, but make the most of every moment because we have the opportunity to introduce the risen Savior to a lost and dying world. May, may you help us do that in a bold and, pro, a, a bold, uh, and profound way, a way that, that, that connects deeply with individuals. And we're going to give you the praise in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great day.